greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. study comes out of our old uh, prophecy train archive. So we hope that you'll enjoy it. It's a few years old, but it's still the word of God. God bless. Good morning and welcome back to the Prophecy Train. Well, you're back. Uh, if you were with us last week, uh, this is part two of uh, a little segment we're just going to call Prophecy 101, just an overview of uh, prophecy in general. So we're going to make a few stops along the way here for the Prophecy Train. So let's go ahead and jump on the board the Prophecy Train and let's go through God's Word and see what He has to teach us today. But before we do that, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank you and we rejoice in our opportunity, Lord, just to bring forth your word to these viewers, Lord. We just pray, Father, that your word would go forth and accomplish what it will, and it will not return back unto you void. So we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the opportunity that we still have to preach the gospel with freedom here in this country. So we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's dig in. All right. Yes, last week we, we kind of did a, a trial of the false gods, Isaiah chapters 40 through 49. We encourage you to either look that up on the internet yourself, get in touch with us, probably get you some notes or some copies or something like that if you need to. What we want to do is, is this part of, of the show, we're going to start with uh, what is going on. This is part of the who, what, where, one, why of prophecy. What is going on? Everybody can feel it. You can feel the, the tension and the anxiety. Every day we see in the news, whether it's what's going on in Turkey, Iran, Iraq. Now, recently, uh, at the time of this taping, now we have tremendous upheaval again in another Arab country. Now it's Pakistan. And everybody is, all has a slant and a... Um, a hatred for the nation of Israel. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to get a little background and find out what's going on. How did this happen? Prophecy. Let's go back to the beginning. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 at the fall and the temptation in the garden. Let's, let's just find out what it says right from the Word of God. Chapter 3, the temptation and fall of man. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Now notice how right there Satan, he quotes God, but then what does he do? He adds doubt to it. Doubt is antithesis to faith. 
God requires, like we talked last week, when we opened up last week, that without faith it is impossible to please God. So what does Satan try to do? Well, obviously he doesn't want you to please God. So what he does is he introduces doubt. So that's why you need to know God's word. You need to know it and stand on it. And it says, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the tree of the garden, but of the tree of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So God had already kind of spoken an oracle to them and said, If you eat this, you're going to die. So when it goes on, it says, the serpent said, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Half-truth. Always be careful of somebody who's talking half-truths. And, and uh, he was outright usurping the authority of God in their life. It says, so when the woman saw the tree that it was good for food, she ate. And that was the fall of mankind. Adam entered into that rebellion also willfully. And then we're going to skip all the way down to uh, verse 14. The Lord speaking to the serpent, who's Satan, said, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are more cursed than all cattle and more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you shall go. You shall eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed, that's the Antichrist, and her seed, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the battle lines being drawn way back then, way back in the first people. And it says, He, being, being the Lord, shall bruise your head, Satan, and you shall bruise his heel. The battle lines have been drawn. Genesis chapter 3. The battle lines are drawn. And what I want to do is, is um, having served myself, um, a little bit of a, a, a war buff, is, is wars break out um, and, and as wars begin to evolve, what we have, we have orders are given on both sides. There's objects. You want to capture and, and win the war. And so through that, um, the Lord himself um, expects in, in a warfare situation like that um, for hostile jamming of his message. Now, this is God's message to us. God redeeming creation through. And then back here in Genesis saying, okay, Man fell at that point, but God was already had a plan. He already had a plan, and he starts telling that plan right away, the, the battle of the seeds. And so the, the, I don't know if any of you viewers might have seen a, a movie called U-541. It was about a, a German uh, sub that had uh, some problems, and it was going to go down, and the Americans... Uh, tried to, uh, they wanted to get this this machine that was called the Enigma, and what it did was it uh, helped uh, decrypt uh, messages. And so what they were able to do, they were able to capture it, and then they were able to uh, read uh, the German messages, help turn uh, part of the tide there against the Germans in World War II. Um, but what I just want to kind of mention there is that uh, that in a warfare 
there are messages that are encrypted. God has encrypted messages here in his Bible too. He spaced them out over a time of about 3,000 years, giving a little piece here, a little piece there, and another little piece. In modern um, uh, communications, they talk about bandwidth. The wider the bandwidth, the easier it is to uh, communicate those type of things. You, you can hide a message. And so God has used the space of time as his bandwidth and through the, the uh, indwelling of his Holy Spirit in a believer, we are able to see this plan unfold. And the plan begins to unfold in Genesis where God gives us the plan of redemption. We have his word, his promises contained in it, and his, his Holy Spirit uh, for believers to help us understand it. In Genesis 3.15, 3, which we just read, we have the promise of his seed. In Genesis 12.3, God says that this person, this seed, is going to come through a descendant of Abraham. In Genesis 26.4, the, the field narrows to uh, Isaac. In Genesis 28.14, the field narrows again down to uh, Jacob. And then in Genesis 49.10, Judah. Uh, the family of Jesse is selected in Isaiah uh, chapter 11, verse 1. And then he's going to come from the house of David in uh, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, verses 12 through 10. And so what it happens is it's like making a phone call. One person in all of humanity is going to get this phone call. And that's what prophecy is. Like every predictive prophecy about Christ's first coming was like selecting a digit. While every time you, you pick up your phone, every time you hit that button, the more buttons you hit, the narrower that field gets down. There's a very interesting article uh, right here in uh, Josh uh, McDowell's book called More Than a Carpenter. And over in... Uh, like page 103, it talks about an address in history. We're not going to get into that tonight, but if you wanted to, you could pick up that book, and it does a great job uh, of describing how Jesus Christ uh, was that person. And, and if you like math and statistics, it's got some things in there and some nine mind-numbing numbers that like 10 to the 17th power on uh, just the unlikelihood that just one person would randomly fulfill uh, just eight prophecies of the like 300 and something prophecies that are in the Bible about the Lord's first coming. His second coming has far more to say about than his first coming. And uh, we want to get a little bit further down the road on some of that. But just, just to give you an idea of what 10 to the 17th uh, number is, it, it would be like taking silver dollars and stacking them two feet high in the state of Texas, and then taking one of those silver dollars and mixing it up in amongst that entire state, two feet high, and the likelihood that somebody would reach down anywhere in that state and pick the right coin with the mark on it, that's 10 to the 17th power. And that's just eight eight of the predictive prophecies.
So if, if you want to chase that down, I encourage you to go ahead and look at that. But Satan, over the time, as, as each um, you know, descendant, he's able to narrow his focus of his attack on who he's going to attack. And the, the attacks are coming against Israel. These are the descendants that Christ came through. Jesus Christ was an Israeli. Jesus Christ was a Jew. That's why, in a nutshell, that the Jewish population is going through and has gone through such upheaval for their entire existence. It's just this struggle, but an amazing struggle in that God blesses them through this, is preserving them through this, and, and, and in a lot of ways they are um, in unbelief and un, unknowing of what God's plan is. Most um, Jews today living in Israel are agnostic, but that's, that's going to change. But as Satan focuses his firepower on, on the Jewish people, um, he tries to wipe them out through World War II, through the Holocaust, back in the Book of Ruth, uh, trying to you know, get the king to execute all the Jews in the kingdoms. Uh, through that, uh, Pharaoh tries to kill all the babies in Egypt in the Book of Exodus. Uh, David's descendants, after he becomes king, and, and Satan knows that the seed is going to come through that. His royal family line gets wiped out. You know, his descendants get wiped out, coming down uh, through, through this um, time span. And it gets down to about one descendant, and, and then they, one gets away. And, and that's an interesting study in and of itself, too. But uh, what we're going to do is, at this point in the program... Uh, we want to encourage you to, to just come back. Uh, we're going to get into the why of Bible prophecy just as soon as we get back. And uh, so we hope that you'll, you'll come back and join us. Um, we'll look us up on the website. If you haven't seen us, we're on uh, the web address. You can see right there at the bottom of the screen. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this short message from us. We hope that you'll uh, enjoy the rest of the show. God bless, and we'll see you in just a few seconds. Thank you. I just want to take this opportunity to uh, just give uh, you, you new viewers, uh, if you're not sure where to find a lot of prophecy in the book and uh, you want to find out if it's relevant, uh, what we want to do is we just want to offer to you, uh, just for getting in touch with us, uh, through our website, uh, we want to offer this little booklet that we have called 101 Last Days Prophecies. We find this to be uh, probably the most excellent resource we found out there. It's put out by Eternal Productions, and uh, we just want to bless you with that. So just get in touch with us. We'll put this in your hands, and uh, you'll be off and running, and just pick up your Bible. God bless. To... Uh, our study of the who, what, when, where, why of uh, Bible prophecy. In this particular segment, we're going to get into the why. Why Bible prophecy. Now, the Lord himself, when he, when he struck that final death blow uh, 
to, to Satan and, and began, the, the tide shifted back. The battle was won. There's still battles being fought, but the war was won at Calvary. And, and just in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, um, it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. God has some awesome things prepared for us. But Satan is trying to do everything he can to distract us. Now, we were talking a little bit earlier in the program about uh, warfare. Now, one thing um, I've read and understood from uh, hearing uh, different people communicate about what it's like being on a battlefield, they say one of the biggest things is just outright confusion. Just outright confusion. And the people who can make good decisions based in that type of environment is called like a battlefield presence. Like George Washington, there's a story about him where the Indians and the French during the French-Indian War, they're shooting at him, and he had two or three horses shot out from underneath him. He actually has holes in his coats, but he has a presence of mind in the midst of all that to make battlefield decisions. We, as believers, are embroiled in a spiritual war. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds in our life. Those strongholds in your life might be, uh, do you have a problem with um, drinking or pornography or whatever it might be? Maybe it's lying. Maybe you just can't get up and go to work or you're depressed. Those are all strongholds in your life. God doesn't want those things in your life. He's not a cosmic meanie with a big stick just waiting for you to mess up and bam, 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 beat you. That's not what he wants to do. God wants us, just like uh, our heavenly father, I'm a father, uh, when my kids uh, make a mistake or something, yeah, I correct them, I chastise them, I rebuke them, but I still love them. I still ask them, and, and I nurture them, and I bring them back after they've had that, that little bit of punishment. Now, much the same way, uh, getting into the why, uh, in John chapter 5, verses 24 through about 39, all right, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Now, if you're into motor racing or anything like that, that's the best pass because death has always overtaken everybody in life but now that the the lord jesus christ has come in we enter into covenant with him and now we get to make that pass on death that's the ultimate pass and in verse 26 it says for as the father has life in himself so he has granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming, get this, it's coming, in which 
All who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the condemned. Those are yet future events. And then going down a little bit further to verse 39, the Lord says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are which testify of me. Now, over and over and over, um, the Bible teaches us that these things are all teaching that world history is coming to some kind of culmination, a winding down. It's kind of described as a, as a woman who's in labor pains. Now, for any of the ladies who are out there who've had um, children, you know that as your time of birth approaches, those labor pains get closer and closer together. They get sharper and harder, closer and closer together. And that's the way the Lord uh, describes before his kingdom is set up here on earth, that these events are going to come quicker and faster. And I think for anybody who's sensitive uh, to these things, you get an understanding that the times that we live in, you can feel that that part of history is coming, being that the single greatest thing that's ever happened um, in Bible prophecy, May 14th of 1948, Israel became a nation again. That really kind of began the uh, ticking or the winding down of this end of the age. And, uh, but God tells his friends what's going on. In Genesis chapter 18, um, verses 17 through 19, um, the Lord uh, is, is, has just met with Abraham. He's gone over some of the covenant relationships that he's entered with him. And, and uh, Abraham is interceding for Sodom at this point. And what he does, um, he says in verse 16, uh, just before he, he intercedes, um, says, Then the men rose and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham will surely become a great people and nation? No, God doesn't want to hide from us what he's going to do. The Bible is full of things helping us to understand the times that we live in. And it just takes some diligence, like that puzzle, to put this thing together. You just got to spend some time in the Word, in the way the enemy works, he, the way he likes to work, he likes to distract us. He likes to keep us busy. If, if you've ever seen a magic show, they usually, you know, it's a little sleight of hand, but what it does is it's trying to get your eye off of what he's doing, so they, they, they do that illusion. And that's how that illusion is created much of the time. But there's a blessing. There's a blessing that comes with studying the Word. There's a blessing that comes with studying the Bible. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Revelation chapter 1, and, and a lot of people get very intimidated with Bible prophecy and with, um, you know, just studying God's Word in general. And, and the book of Revelation can be filled with all kinds of images and things that sound kind of strange to our ears as Christians. But the book of Revelation has like 404 verses, but it has over 800 allusions to the Old Testament. So if, you're, if you don't have a good Old Testament 
you know, background, then yeah, a lot of this stuff is going to sound kind of strange to our ears. But as you start to read more and more, you're like, oh, what? I remember hearing that. You just make little notes to yourself, and and you, and you keep, you know, making cross references back and forth. There's a there's a um, a law to hermeneutics which uh, speaks of um, law of first mention. So if you hear something like a rock, that's usually uh, an idiom for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you do word studies and stuff like that with um, just a word like rock or water, and you see how the Holy Spirit uses that idiom consistently through Scripture, and it means the same thing. And what that will do is help you unlock a lot of the understanding that's in here. And you just do that through prayer. But in Revelation chapter 1, it, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, to show his servants the things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it, this is in signs, by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, remember that, that's prophecy, to all the things that he saw, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and, though, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Now, did you see that? It says, blessed is he who reads. And here's the words of the prophecy of this book. That's why we, we want to encourage you as, as students of the Bible, we want you to look and see what's coming. And, 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 and God says that it's a blessing for just reading this. He's going to give you the understanding. God gives teachers like myself to the body, but the, the Bible actually teaches that you have no need of teachers. That, that if... For some reason, you know, you didn't have, or before television and MP3s and all this stuff, God's giving his anointing through his Holy Spirit to draw you unto himself. He will give you the understanding. Now, you just spend the time going through the Word, and, and in our next show um, next week, we're, we're going to talk about why what's coming. We're going to get in the book of, of Daniel, Daniel 70 weeks of prophecy. And if, and if you're finding this, this interesting, it really kind of starts to pick up some speed here. And, and this is just an outline. We're just doing the outline, that puzzle. We're just building the outline, that, just that edge around the puzzle. You spend years putting this thing together, and it's a productive, fruitful study. But at this point in the program, what we want to do is we want to ask you, do you know the Lord? Are you anxious about future events? Are you anxious about um, your standing with the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Or more importantly, does the Lord know you? What we want to do is we want to offer you an opportunity at this point to receive the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. Now, all you have to do, if you feel that tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me if you feel led. And if you feel led and, and you have some hesitation, that's pride. God resists pride. So just with me, say it. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new creation. 
Help me to live a life well-pleasing unto you. I don't know how to do this myself. I need you. Come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. And help me to live a life well-pleasing unto you that I might learn who you are, the true and the living God. And if you've said that, pick up a Bible, find yourself a good church, and God bless you. We'll see you next week. Hey, that was part two of four in our Prophecy 101 series. This is an introduction to prophecy. Uh, keep checking back regularly for uh, more in-depth teachings that we have on the Feast of the Lord and uh, the Rapture, Replacement Theology. These are all things that are uh, important for the body of Christ. So anyway, God bless, and we'll see you again next week.